Michael, thanks for taking part in the in the piece. I think we had 30 or so responses from various executives up and down the industry. Um, and uh, some answers the same, some answers completely different, which is fascinating. Obviously, supply chains worrying a lot of people and um, uh, various other issues going on. But I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper on the on the um, on the stuff that you've written, particularly around the maturation of Industry 4.0 and what you've referred to as 4.0.2022. Um, and you've kind of divided it into categories of smart, secure and sustainable, which I really like. Let's just kind of tackle them one at a time. Where do you feel the trends are going in 2022 with, re with respect to smart manufacturing? It, 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 this is where people imagine the value is. And, you know, looking at a lot of uh, other opinions, you know, it's digitalize, digitalize, automate, automate. Mm. I think we're past that now. Um, we really need to see the maturity of Industry 4.0. It mm -hmm. still seems to be like a gold rush. You know, everybody's thinking, oh, nuggets of information. Let's go get them. Yeah. Let's go mine them or whatever. But when you get those nuggets, it's what do you do with them? Do you make yeah. it into a jewelry? Do you use it for a circuit board interconnect? You know, what are you going to use this gold for? And so this is the, the maturity aspect. And so yeah. Smart Industry 2022 is really where we start to understand how do we make the relation with all of this data that we're now going to get to meet the business needs. So, you know, okay, we can make pretty pictures, we can make graphics, we can make uh, analyses in the cloud, but how do they actually relate to our day-to-day -day operation? Given all of the challenges that we're facing with, you know, changes in the market, with supply chain, with people shortages, with all kinds of things that are affecting us. So let's start to figure out and actually use this as the tool that it's meant to be. Yeah, and I kind of the gold analogy is really interesting because the gold is is the value that you get from the data, not the data itself. And um, I think for the last couple of years, I think some certainly some manufacturers have been of the opinion that you need to show me the value. You need to show me where, you know, where the money is going to come. And it's going from data to using that data to create insights and using those insights to create real business value. And I think that's you know, that's kind of where we need to go to next. Um, the next thing you mentioned is security. And I think that's a really interesting topic. I got hardly any mentions of security in the in the responses. The other one I got was from Jürgen Turner, who's a consultant in Germany, and he was talking about um, cybercrime. Mm -hmm. uh, and he'd done some research into it, and he'd actually found cybercrime as a service available. Um, where you could out <laughs> you could outsource your cybercrime to um, yeah various criminal organisations, which is quite alarming. But yeah, tell me what you mean by secure industry 4.0. There are many aspects because you you think of a complex attack um, where, for example, people will acquire design data that, for example, has been sent through an insecure email server. Mm -hmm. People are able to pick that up, create clones of products. Okay, reverse engineering has always been done in the industry. That's to be accepted. It's a bit faster now. Mm. But today it's getting a bit worse because people are injecting components that are related to spyware mm. or even firmware that is embedded. And so a manufacturer could be making its own counterfeit products or at least compromised products into the market. So, 
you know, because it's all digital, it makes it all faster. But on the other end, the products that we use are becoming more critical. You know, a car, if it had a failure, it would just slow down and pull into the side of the road. Now, if a car has a failure, you know, it's autonomous driving, it's doing all kinds of things, safety features that are automated, you suddenly lose those. And that can be quite, you know, dangerous, as well as being able, for example, to take over the control remotely of a car or a drone or something like that. So this whole principle of security within manufacturing, whether it's materials coming in being counterfeit, or whether it's cyber attacks, exposing the data um, for any kind of use. This is something that has to be at least as important for people to think about as the smart data, because for every good use of data we come to, there are those who would seek to take advantage. And we need to be aware of that and be aware that it's happening. And it's quite often covered up because, you know, people don't want to expose the fact Mm. that they've been hacked many times. But we do hear of so many things happening these days. So this is another part of the maturity aspect of Industry 4.0, where we can't just think of this data, this gold, without putting it in a vault somewhere and keeping it safe, because others will want it. Yeah, you do have to protect it. And it's interesting when you talk about that, because anecdotally, you do hear about these cyber attacks and ransomware and various different issues. Um, but they're very rarely publicized because, you know, they're not the kind of thing that companies want in the um, in the public domain. But it absolutely is a, a huge element. The last one's kind of the big one for me, um, sustainability. And partly because what we're seeing at the moment is a regionalization trend going on in the manufacturing industry. And we're seeing issues with the supply chain um, with problems with um, logistics, particularly around the world, as well as component shortages. And I keep coming back to this solution of shorter supply chains. And to me, shorter supply chains are more sustainable supply chains. They have less carbon emissions and all those kind of things. How are you seeing that? And how, uh, you know, how are your customers demanding a more sustainable approach? It seems to be top of the list for many of our customers, actually. Um, And the reasons uh, maybe are to satisfy their customers, to satisfy their shareholders or even government, Mm -hmm. uh, take advantage of incentives. So whichever way you look at it, it's a good move forward. Mm. But practically, you know, what can they do? It comes down to energy management. I mean, we've put energy management messages, for example, into CFX to enable solutions to be able to send machines into a sleep mode so they can reduce the overall energy consumption and even plan it against, you know, the rise and fall of variable tariffs. Mm. So, you know, there are little things that are being done there. But, you know, on the material side as well, you know, the supply chain issues are beginning to bite and localization of those can, I would say more control of those, you know, they really want to be able to ensure the supply. There's a a lot of effort going into that. But one of the areas in which I think there can be some vast improvement is at the other end of the supply chain, because for example, copper in electrical cable, we are now Mm. shipping that to a country where they simply burn off the plastic and recover the copper. Is that really the best thing to be doing to release all of those, you know, chemicals into the atmosphere? Or should we be thinking about extending the supply chain beyond the life of the product and to do that on a local basis? So we complain about all of these jobs in manufacturing being replaced by automation. Why not create a whole new industry in the recycling side, Mm. which today people are seeing as kind of a, 
a need to do uh, you know you have to satisfy yeah. certain things but actually you think about it holistically and that would then become a local source of material mm. so there, there may be quite a big revolution on its way in the way that we treat recycling and we don't yeah. just pay it lip service or do it on a kind of global whatever we can do with it for the best basis but we actually think about it as part of that manufacturing cycle yeah. and take yeah, control and as a resource yeah and as a resource and take control of it I, I absolutely agree i think that's a really a really fascinating approach one of the things that i was interested particularly on the sustainability side i've done some work in sustainability with ems companies with respect to life cycle analysis of products and various different elements like that um and several people have said to me, wouldn't it be great if we could get some, some data on products? So when a product's made, wouldn't it be great if we knew what its, uh, what its carbon footprint looked like? And what its carbon footprint look like, looks like obviously depends a little on the manufacturing process, but it depends a lot on the supply chain and where all the various materials have traveled from. Do you see a demand for that in terms of a traceability element in the software system? Do you see that as a development that's possible? It's obviously quite complex. Um, it, yes, I do, actually. Um, we've been putting a, a new standard together um, for IPC, which is the component level authentication, which mm -hmm. maps the chain of kind of provenance all the way from an end product going back into its component parts. So using traceability, using that authentication, you've got the data available in order to track that back. And to be honest, that's never really been a problem, other than the fact that we've had a lot of different formats, a lot of different proprietary systems that needed to be interrogated, but you could still find the data. The real problem is actually privacy, because people don't want to share their sourcing of components or, or whatever. And so we've started as part of the authentication to look at a way of sharing information, you know, being a good actor within the supply chain mm. without exposing traceability data or commercial right. data, because that can yeah. be reverse engineered and that can be used against you as yeah. well. This is part of the security aspect. So a verifiable credential is, I think we've seen it in the medical area. For example, if you want to go into a, a bar or somewhere, you know, there, there is a government database of whether you're vaccinated or how old yeah. you are or what kind of status you're at you can show a code and that proves that you're eligible to get in there but mm. it didn't share your date of birth or whether you were covid vaccinated or not it, it completely keeps that private mm. but it's able to show the provenance of you as a person that yeah. you are eligible to do things so if we can apply those rules to manufacturing then we can have a situation where we're able to freely exchange the information that's needed without that compromise on privacy hmm. and that's the key thing that we need to develop i think going forward yeah that's really interesting michael and fascinating that we might learn something positive out of the out of the covid experience particularly <laughs> with the with the huge amount of data that we've had to you know shift around here we have um qr checking codes at, at, at every location and when you click on the QR checking code and, and check in, it automatically displays the um, your vaccination um, status on your on your smart device. And it's kind of got a hologram that you can rotate. And it's um, but, you know, I think there are there are there are people that seek to 
fake those as well. So, you know, well, for every, for every good strategy, there's a bad actor trying to, <laughs> you know, undermine it and profit from it. Well, we're, we're trying to build that in because, you know, there are such things as immutable IDs, you know, your, your fingerprint, for example. I mean, assuming nobody cut my finger off, you know, it's fairly safe or your retina. And so there are technologies available today that embed UV fibers in packaging that can do surface texture recognition and create those immutable IDs that cannot be copied or changed. Mm. Then you put the data into a blockchain. Now, the one thing that the blockchain does is assure that that data is not going to be changed. That's the only purpose of blockchain. But mm. in doing that, it provides the assurance that when you've got that immutable ID and you match it against that immutable data record, that you yeah. are sure that when you press that start button in your car, every it's digital big. fingerprint of every device yeah. and module checks out and you're safe to drive. Yeah, yeah, and that makes perfect sense. So just wrapping up, 2022, let's ignore what's going on with COVID just for a second because nobody can predict that. Based on all things being equal, how do you feel about the coming year? You feel positive for the uh, for the electronic manufacturing industry? It's going to be the best year out of the last three years for sure. Um, okay, and <laughs> and we're going to see because there's a lot of potential out there. A lot mm. of people are really looking toward technological solutions for the environment, um, EV, yeah. e-mobility. Uh, there's a lot of potential on the horizon for people. And we see a lot of investment going in semiconductors, for example, that always drives innovation throughout the rest of electronics, you know, given a few months. So with that opportunity, there will be people coming in to fill the gap. It may mm. be new people into the market, and I suspect a lot of people will come in mm. because the existing people will find it a challenge to adjust. And this yeah. is really what we need to address, make it as easy and understandable as possible for people to alter what they're doing to take advantage of these new opportunities. So they become hunters, you know, people yeah. in the manufacturing space, they need to hunt that next big business opportunity. Yeah. And we need to help them with that. And I think from the automation perspective, including software and hardware, we need to make that journey as easy as possible and secure. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It's um, it's going to be a fascinating year of change. And I think you make a very good point that whilst manufacturing and technology might occasionally be the problem, it's it's usually a good part of the solution as well. So there's, um, you know, there's plenty to offer coming down the line. Hopefully, Michael, we'll both be traveling to San Diego in January. So we'll be able to, yes. be able to catch up face to face there. But in the meantime, thanks so much. For your time. Yeah.